Hello and welcome back, well-being warriors, to the Well-Being and Your Wallet podcast, the official source of everything financial well-being until our lawyers tell me I can't say that anymore. Those that of you that are new to the podcast, welcome. I hope you like what you hear today and uh, you know, please subscribe and share with your friends. I'm Grant Gallagher, the head of financial well-being here at Affinity, and you're in for a special treat today with a very special guest. Uh, but first, I have to introduce my well-being buddy and co-host, Sean. Sean, say hi to the folks. Hello, everybody. My name is Sean Lubitz. I'm the Vice President of Digital and Retail Branching here at Affinity, and I'm excited that we have Jason here to join myself and Grant today as well. All right. Thank you, Sean. Yeah, let me uh, introduce our esteemed guest here, Jason Vitug. Uh, Jason is a financial wellness author with both of his books being bestsellers. Jason specializes in the human condition and intentional transformations to become the very best versions of ourselves. He's currently on a mission to elevate a generation to reach their full potential and live their best lives by removing the stigma around money and empowering others through financial knowledge, access, and community. His most recent book is Happy Money, Happy Life, a multidimensional approach to health, wealth, and financial freedom. Uh, And it's a game-changing resource to help you transform your relationship with money. His new book explores the interconnectedness of your mental, emotional, physical, social, occupational, environmental, spiritual, and financial well-being. And it teaches how to use money as a tool to achieve your goals and live a healthy, wealthy, and happy life. With practical strategies and insights based on the latest happiness research, his book is a must-read for anyone ready to unlock their full happiness potential. Uh, Happy Money, Happy Life is currently available nationwide at major online retailers and through his website, jasonvtug.com. Jason, I hope that did you justice and I covered it all, Uh, but please, you know, say hello and feel free to cover anything I missed. No, you you totally covered it all so thank you so much for that so it's like always following up with an intro just like that but uh excited to be here excited to speak with you grant and sean on this topic yeah happy to have you i mean obviously you know it aligns very well with a lot of things we've talked about here on the podcast the things we're trying to do here at affinity uh so it really is a, a very organic and natural alignment to have you here and you know hope to have you back sometime in the future as well so to kick things off, uh, you know, just a, a quick icebreaker question before we jump into the main topic today. Uh, you know, has there been a pivotal moment that's influenced your perspectives on money and purposefully li- uh, purposeful living? I know, Jason, obviously you do because I read your book, so I, I know the secrets, <laughs> but, you know, please share with the audience uh, so they can learn a little bit. I think one of the key things is that there's not one specific pivotal moment. There are these little moments that add up. It was it just so happens that I needed to shift my mindset in order to understand how these small moments added in totality in needing to shift my mindset, my relationship with money. And so I think for me, it has to do with believing that money was the end goal. So all I needed to do was to just make more money and eventually I will be happy and I'll be able to do all the things. And when I started making more money, it wasn't necessarily leading to more happiness or more joy. And so getting off of that track and realizing that money is the tool and not the end goal was a game changing moment for me. Yeah, that's that's a great point. And that's one of the things that we constantly talk about with our our membership is, you know, you need to think about your financial goals. What do you, what do you want to achieve? What are your dreams and how does money enable it? You know, it's very often is the end goal, that sack of money. It's the car you're buying. It's the home you're buying. It's the retirement that you want to be able to, to enjoy. It's putting your kids through school. Um, Sean, how about yourself? 
Yeah, I agree with Jason. I don't think it was one moment necessarily, but what I will say is I think a pivotal piece or a pivotal experience that kind of drives this conversation is for me anyway, when I moved out on my own, right? So you, you work and if, and if you live at home, right, if you're, if you're lucky enough to have, you know, the family that more or less puts a, a roof over your head, right? I don't, you don't have to worry necessarily about housing or anything like that. Um, you have minimal bills. So life is simple. When you move out on your own, you think, oh, I, I just have a, an apartment payment, right? I have to pay rent every month. Yep. With that comes heat, right? I remember my first apartment had electric heat. No one tells me what the cost of electric heat was at that time, right? So move in in the spring, not bad. Um, we got our first um, heating bill in, I think it was like November, December for $400. And you're like, this can't be right. And yeah. you go back and you check and you're like, it is. So kind of understanding preparation is going to help kind of relieve some of that stress. And you're not expected to know it all. But going through these experiences, you just continue to learn. So to Jason's point, and I still learn to this day, um, it's just understanding that there will be change and you have to be open to it and you have to be open to, to kind of learning and embracing those experiences. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I would say for myself and I'll, I'll make this quick. Um, you know, when, when my, my kids were born, you know, twins, uh, kind of changes your relationship with money and how intentional you have to be with your saving and your spending and figuring out your path forward. Um, because you know, when, when you're single or even if there's just, you know, you and you and your spouse, if you make decent money, you can usually just kind of stumble your way through it as long as you're not too close to that, you know, exact dollar and cents budgeting. But then when you factor in kids, man, there is a, a cost for everything. And you have to think about not just now, but you know, when they are going off to school or even just, you know, the extracurriculars and then planning for college, they're probably both going to want to drive and have a car. You know, it's like you have all these things you need to focus on. And, you know, the original big lofty goal was, was retirement. Well, them going off to, to college is only 15 years away where retirement's, you know, more than double that. So it, it, it's definitely uh, makes you have to think about money in a, in a different way and be much more uh, intentional in, in your approach to your financial life. So that was, that was my big moment. So let's look at our topic today. Um, obviously, we're going to chat with Jason on how he approaches his well-being and explore his journey towards financial well-being. Um, and hopefully, we'll inspire you, the listeners, to take a purposeful and intentional approach to your financial life as well. Uh, so, you know, let's just discuss some of the basics about financial wellness. Um, you know, Jason, what would you identify as the essential first steps or habits someone should embrace in their daily lifestyle? So I want people to understand one thing when I define financial wellness, and I think this is really important, that financial wellness, it's about your health, it's about your wealth, it's about the overall quality of the life that you're living. It isn't simply just about financial goals or money milestones. It's about how those goals and those milestones actually impact the overall quality uh, of your life and your lifestyle. And so I think that is really essential to understand because so many people set these lofty financial goals, specific, the number goals, without understanding how they align with what matters most to them. And so I think it's really essential for people to understand that. And it was a journey for me too, as well, understanding that piece. But when you're looking at the first steps, 
when you're looking at financial wellness, that word financial, it really is about assess, assessing where you are today. So that is kind of like the key piece of it. It's like, where where do you stand financially today? Because you can't get to where you want to go without knowing how income is flowing and how money is going out of your life. I think that is the essential first step. And once we get through that, it is game changer because there's a lot of people who believe ignorance is bliss. But when it comes to your finances, ignorance is not bliss. The less you know, the more you pay. So you want to get down and dirty and look at the numbers and understand them without judgment. And I think that's a key piece. We tend to judge ourselves and then we feel shame and then we feel guilt and embarrassment because of the choices we've made in the past. But when we're truly assessing our finances, it's about doing it without that judgment. And so we can move forward. Yeah. I, I think everybody is, is their own worst critic. And, and when they think about their finances, you know, they, they feel ashamed that they didn't know everything that they needed to do to make a sound financial choice. And let's be honest, everybody's probably made one bad financial mistake in their life. And the worst thing you can do is just stick your fingers in your ear and go, la, 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 not paying attention. I'm sure it'll work itself out. Because so very rarely is that ever the case. Usually it's either going to get worse or it's going to be the same. But if you actually acknowledge it and embrace it head on and, and talk to somebody and get some help, you know, they can help you navigate it. They can help you, you know, minimize the pain of, of that decision. Um, you know, and if it's something you come across again next time, you you learned your lesson too. So it's like there's still value there, even if it's a little bit painful up front. But yeah, uh, ignorance is definitely not bliss, or at least not bliss for very long. <laughs> it really yeah, is. And I uh, I look at it too, and we've we've talked about it on previous episodes. It's really just to your point, Jason, understanding your finances, but also perspective, right? So it is different for everyone. Um, the person, and again, working in in the banking industry, we. I mean, we see it on a daily basis. The person driving the $100,000 Mercedes with not a lot of money to their name, right? They're struggling their their paycheck to paycheck versus the person that comes in with the 20-year-old car that, again, if you look at them and make initial judgment, you're like, they probably don't have a lot. And they come in and have millions of dollars in their account. Um, Doesn't mean either one is more or less happy. It's just their perspective on how finances work. Um, but again, always ensuring that you're you're ready for kind of the the inevitable change that is going to happen or the curveball that's going to be thrown your way to ensure that you know you the stress level does not go you know through the roof um, worrying about those different changes that, that are going to definitely get thrown at your way. You're you're absolutely correct, and I always like to tell everyone that I was a high achieving, high functioning financial mess. So I have I like let that. go. I have let go of the shame, the guilt, and the embarrassment of how messy I was with my finances, and because I had this focus on on achieving the the dream of climbing up this corporate ladder, making more money, getting the fancy titles, and when I achieved the fancier titles, I achieved the higher salary. I wasn't necessarily doing better with money. And I think I want people to understand that. And that's why that aha moment for me was, yes, the more money I made, it also led to me spending more because I wasn't aligning or building my life related to my core values. And I think that is essential and that is vital. And so for me, budgeting was something I would do as the VP of marketing and business development for my organization. And I was doing budgeting for my department and for the organization, but I wasn't doing budgeting in my personal life. And I go, wait a minute, I know it works. 
So why am I not integrating that into my personal life? And when I did that assessment, it was a game changer because then I started seeing where I was spending my money that wasn't in alignment with what was truly valuable to me. Yeah. And that's, that's really the key there too, is, is being intentional in your spending, you know, being aware of it, being intentional, figuring out what is, you know, what are those areas that matter to you and, and focusing on that. Um, you know, we, we, everybody makes daily financial decisions, right. And, and it, you know, even though we don't think about them, they're, they're going to impact our financial well-being and our happiness in general. Um, you know, so, from that perspective, Jason, what do you, you know, what are some strategies or mindsets are, you know, what are, what are the, what's the crucial ones for individuals to overcome, you know, their challenges and anxiety, and they're often associated with money. You know, what, what can we do on a day-to-day basis to really um, just approach our financial challenges and, and our anxieties? So I'm a big believer that we can talk about budgeting. We can talk about credit scores. We can talk about investing And all those tactics and all that knowledge is essential and vital as well. But if we don't start with shifting our mindset and our relationship with money, that has a profound impact on whether or not we're going to follow through with the knowledge we've gained in that budgeting course, in that investing course. And so it really is that the the core strategy is working with your relationship with money. That is essential. Uh, to your success and to achieving financial independence or financial security, or however you want to define that uh, that pivotal moment. But it truly is shifting that mindset. And that begins with understanding your relationship with money. And that relationship starts when we're very young. So if, if we're spending money that's not in alignment with our core values, there's a good chance you grew up with uh, a household that was struggling with money or maybe a household that had a lot of income coming in, but not necessarily a happy one. And so that that's like the psychology piece. That's the piece that I dive into because I think our society and a lot of organizations, what they do is they focus on how financial challenges causes mental distress. But then there are also mental health issues and other factors that impacts our, the way we manage our finances that lead to financial distress. So there's an inverse relationship when it comes to that. And so if we're solely telling people we need to budget more, that's the only tactic you need without addressing the mental, the emotional well-being piece of it, we're never going to solve the issue. And so for me, it is starting with that relationship with money. That core piece is essential. You you hit on a, a really important point there where it's, you know, Sure, the education and being aware and learning is important, but the follow through is critical. And and we see that so often where people start off well-intentioned and then they just kind of slowly get distracted, they get too busy, they forget to do it. And you know, that's one of the things that that I I constantly find is is an important thing to do is is be self-aware. You know, what are what are your own personal challenges and pain points? And are there techniques and tactics you can use to to avoid that or or improve it or fix it? Um, you know, I'm a big believer in if you have some sort of savings goal that you're working towards, and that saving is not automated, it's not budgeted for, you're gonna set yourself up to fail because you're now having to manually transfer money and remember to do that, and you know, essentially you're paying your future self, which is money out of 
you know, your account, even though you're still going to have benefit from it in the future, but you still kind of face that downside of spending money, the pain associated with it without that benefit of the future you receiving whatever you're, you're saving up for, you know? So it's like, it's very difficult to do if you don't take away that pain. If you, if you force yourself to have to, re- to remember to make that transfer, um, it's really just key to just be aware of, of where, where those limitations exist and, and figure out a way around them. Um, nobody's perfect. You know, we all, we all have these limitations. Um, but until you kind of recognize them and, and figure out ways around it, that's, that's how you're going to succeed. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And to, to go back to, to what you, you said on a little bit earlier, Jason, where I feel like I've, I've been more successful, um, later in life is as you do move up, as you do get a promotion, right? You, you earn more income, you get a, you know, an incentive or merit at the beginning of the year. That's the best time to kind of reallocate, like review your budget and almost hide money from yourself. Right. I think a lot of people say, but it's very hard to get used to a certain lifestyle and then try to reel it in. So to your point, as you move up and as you do make more money, as those changes happen in your life, I found it easier for myself to say, all right, Hey, I, you know, I'm, I'm making a little bit more money this year. Let me really think about how I want to spend this money and how do, how do I need to spend this money? Um, it's a much easier conversation to have with yourself then rather than being used to that extra income that you might use you know, as disposable income for trips or material items. Um, that's where I found it the, the most effective to kind of do a, a review of finances at that time. I love that. I think that is that is important. Uh, one of the key things I tell everyone is that think of like that 10% strategy when it comes to your finances. If you're setting 10% for your investing or your savings, when your income increases, you don't have to make any adjustment. It's still 10% of that that uh, income that's going into your retirement or into your savings account. And for those who want to be a bit more hands-off, automation is really the key. So when you automate your contributions to your retirement, you automate your contributions into your savings goals. That is essential and vital. And so when the income increases, that paycheck increases, it, it is automatic. You don't have to think about it. And most people don't want to think about their finances, but it's important to think about it early on. So you get to a point, you don't think about it as much as as you do currently. I, I love that. I wish that was something I kind of took into consideration younger, right? Um, because it was definitely the mindset of me of, hey, I'm putting $100 a month into the savings account. Now I'm making more money. I'm still putting $100 a month in, right? I'm still in a good place. Looking at it from the percentage, you're gonna, it's a win-win, right? You're going to have more of that disposable income to have some fun with, but you're also increasing that savings as well as your lifestyle obviously is going to continue to change. Um, I, I love that. I think people definitely need to, to hear that and understand that. You know, it's funny when, when you're talking about the, the percentage thing, I, I have a funny story of a, a friend who they actually wound up getting a significantly higher paying job than anything they were used to. And they, they followed that same principle of putting, I think it, it was either 10 or 12% away. And in that first year of the job, when September hit, their paycheck changed, like their take home. And they're like, that's really weird. And then it happened the next one. It happened the next one. And what had happened is they had actually reached the max that they could contribute to their 401k in the year before the end of the year. And they had never been in that situation before. And they're like, should I, should I balance? Like, what do I do? And I'm like, I mean, one, 
kudos to you. I mean, to have a well-paying job that you can even achieve that is fantastic. But the other thing too is like, if you want to have kind of a balanced month to month stability in your paycheck, you might want to adjust it. So it does, you know, shift around, or maybe you should look into other retirement options. But you know, the, the reality is, is like, as long as you're consistently saving and consistently doing something, it's, you know, you can just go on autopilot. You can focus on things that are, are more important to you. Um, and you don't have to worry about that lifestyle creep. It's, you know, it just takes yeah. care of itself. Yeah, the one thing that we can do for our mental health and emotional well-being is to save for the future. When we have money saved for emergencies, when we have money saved for the unexpected, I mean, that takes away some of the mental stress uh, when what we experience. So emergencies happen, right? It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And so when we're prepared, when we have money in that savings account, when we have money that we can we can utilize, we take away the financial aspect of that emergency so we can focus on the specific things. And it's typically other factors, correct? And so I always tell everyone, you want to improve or you want to lessen your stress, save for these emergencies, save for the future. Yeah. It's, you know, and and I I always tell people the the emergency is not going to wait for how much, you know, for you to achieve the amount that you want to have saved up for it. It's, you never know how much it's going to be. It could be a lot less. It could be a lot more. Um, you know, my, my emergencies are usually, you know, in the thousands of dollars, not in the hundreds of dollars. So that's, you know, that's what I shoot for. And, and, you know, it's kind of alarming when you see the statistic of so few Americans have even, you know, more than a few hundred dollars saved up for an emergency. I mean, if you have to resort to credit, the the cost of credit is going up and it's going to put you in an even worse financial situation or God forbid, you don't even have access to credit. You have to do something like a payday loan. You know, that's going to put you in even more troubling financial situation. So it really is, like you said, planning for the future, making sure that you do have some financial resilience to absorb some of those, those shocks because they, they're going to happen and you have to, you have to be ready. Yeah. People with higher incomes can rebound quicker when it comes to an emergency. So if you don't have a higher income, it's essential and vital to have that savings account to cover those emergencies. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, you know, realistically, we'd all like to be able to be financially well to the point where we have financial independence and we can, you know, retire and have a nice retirement or, you know, even retire early, you know, that, that would be an amazing thing to achieve. Um, you know, one of the things I wanted to ask you about that is, you know, do you have any core principles or strategies that you can adopt to try to, you know, reach a, a financial independent state? Um, and, you know, how does that interplay with uh, fulfilling purpose-driven financial life? Yeah. So as I mentioned, I was someone who was financially messy, who achieved a level of financial success and happy to say I'm financially secure and financially independent that I don't have to work again ever. Uh, but I got to a point where I began to understand the the path to financial independence and security is learning to make money with money. And I think for us, many of us exchange our, and this is how we start. We exchange our time for a paycheck in order to spend on things. So the game changing shift was realizing that a good portion of that paycheck needed to be invested, needed to start working for me. So I depended less on my time for work, for money exchange. And so that's really the key to independence. And it's 
getting to the point where you're using a piece of your your income in money making activities and that is typically associated with investing that is typically associated with putting your money into an account that's earning interest or growing in the stock market and I've traveled all across the country and there are still people who are not contributing to their 401k and I go what are you doing yeah. and I'm at that point where I tell them if you're not an entrepreneur if you're not high highly paid executive the vast majority of multimillionaires in the country are 401k millionaires. Sure, they're not a millionaire today, but eventually when you start contributing that 10% uh, pre-tax, it will grow in 25, 30 years, and you would be astounded in how much that money grows by the time that you are retired. So for most of us, we reach financial independence at retirement. And that is due to contributing to 401k plans or other retirement programs. And so for me, learn how to make money with money so there's less dependence on the time for work for money exchange. Absolutely. The, the power of, of compound interest, you know. Oh, yes. <laughs> it, it, it makes makes dreams happen. Yeah, I mean, that's that's one of the most important things you can do is, and, you know, I think a lot of people are intimidated by investing up at, at first, but, you know, once you learn about it, you start to approach it, you know, get, get the advice to understand how you can get started there. But yeah, I mean, your average person will typically have a 401k that doesn't have too many intimidating options. They'll probably have a resource that they can reach out to, to explain what the options are and what the best thing is for, for them. A lot of them have, you know, target date funds and that makes things even easier. So there's even less thought involved, but the, the biggest thing you can do is just start contributing, you know, get in there. If, if you're a business owner and you have influence over your employees, uh, have your 401k program be opt out versus opt in. You know, that's a great way to support their financial health and get them going. Um, and you know, they'll probably not even remember that that money is going towards saving for retirement and they'll have a nice surprise once they finally pay attention and, and realize what they've actually been doing for, for that, that, uh, those years during open enrollment. Um, so yeah, no, that's that's all all fantastic uh, advice here. One thing I just wanted to say, real too, or real quick, too, Grant is um, what kind of helped me change my mindset a little bit is understanding what you're spending and the amount of work it takes to earn enough money to go and buy as some something as small as that cup of coffee, right? So if you're someone who's let's say you're making fifteen dollars an hour. And you go out every morning and you spend seven dollars on this, you know, this amazing cup of coffee. You're working thirty minutes of your day to pay for that cup. So, is it worth it? Maybe it is to you. Maybe it's not. But put that in perspective as far as the amount of work you have to do to earn something as as small as a cup of coffee or that new TV or whatever it might be. That really kind of changed my mindset a little bit too when it comes to the idea of the the true value of money and what it takes to earn it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's all about being thoughtful and purposeful and intentional. And, you know, with, with some of the, the research we've, we've seen, especially through Gallup, you know, that experiences have a much more lasting long-term impact over your, over your well-being. But, you know, if that $7, $7 cup of coffee truly is the highlight of your day and it's what you need to get you going and you couldn't make it through your shift otherwise, the, the value might be there, and, and but that's you know that's really different for everyone. So then there's, then there's other pieces you obviously have to adapt to 
in that situation as well. But yeah, yeah it's just that was eye opening to me is when you really start to look at, you know, how much did I have to put in to go get this thing or, you know, again, more for material um, objects, but it's just it was eye opening for me. Yeah. yeah. Well, we, but, but, but we want we want long term joy and, and, and <laughs> yes, contentment. Yeah, that seven dollar so cup with, of coffee is not going to yeah. help you a year from now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So with that in mind, um, you know, Jason, what what are what are your thoughts on, you know, how individuals can make those financial choices that really support their their long term happiness and their long term well-being? Yeah. So I actually wanted to reemphasize Sean's point because it is powerful. So understanding your purchases based on time. And so this is something I've written about multiple times as well. So for me, I always like to tell people, you know, take out, take out their phones. And for most smartphones, they're 500 to a thousand to $1,500. If you're making $10 an hour, that phone, that $1,000 phone in your hands represents a hundred hours of your life. And I'm not here to tell people how to spend your money. I just want you to be intentional of how you're spending your money because it's a reflection of what you value. It's a reflection of your life. So if you're thinking about long-term satisfaction, long-term joy, I want you to really value your life through the purchases that you make. And for me, walking into my apartment and seeing all the stuff that I accumulated and then seeing the dollar value associated with that and how it related to my income, I was shocked and the things that I was purchasing that did not align. And so all the studies, my own lived experiences and the things that people have shared with me is that experiences do trump stuff. Now, if you like stuff, that is okay because some stuff can remind you of past experiences. But sometimes what happens is that we're overwhelmed with stuff that we don't really even know what we value. And I like to tell everyone, uh, memories appreciate, stuff depreciates. And so when we're spending on experiences, what those things are, they can turn into core memories. And these memories are things we carry. These are memories that we share over and over. And these stories, I mean, there's only so many times you can tell your family and friends that you bought a new car and but there is unlimited potential for you to share the moments that have turned into these memories and they can continue to bring joy and I always tell everyone when I think about my life sitting on the porch overlooking some mountains in a rocking chair I'm not going to be thinking about the purchases I've made I'm going to be thinking about the experiences I've had good and bad and kind of thinking about the journey and so what I do, and I encourage everyone, is that we need some stuff in our life, like house is a stuff, clothing is a stuff. We need some stuff, but let's be really mindful on, do we need that bigger home? Do we need that luxury good? Do we need that new car that's taking us away from the things that truly matter? Because if we're th saying family, our children matters the most, but all we do is spend all our time working in order to provide for a family and we never get to see them, well, that's not going to bring any joy and contentment into your life. And, and so that, that is an essential piece. It's understanding how you're spending your time, how you're spending your money in order to build that long-term satisfaction as opposed to just instant gratification. Yeah. You know, to that point, one of the previous episodes we, we looked at, you know, the connection between spending and money and happiness. And, and we, you know, we really did see that it's very incremental when you start to spend more and more on stuff, the, the value you're getting back from it. 
But, you know, if that stuff does help you create those memories, if it's, you know, a, a hobby that's important to you, that's obviously going to have, you know, a big impact to your, to your well-being, it's okay to spend, but be thoughtful about it. You know, do, if it's something that you're, and this, you know, this is my, one of my favorite examples is like, you know, every, I feel like everybody I know has a guitar. Have they actually stuck with it? Do they actually know how to play it? You know, maybe one in 10, but everybody has that guitar in the basement, in the attic, somewhere. And most people had the common sense to be like, okay, you know, I don't know if this is going to stick. I don't know if this is something that's going to really matter to me. Let me get the, you know, hundred, couple hundred dollar guitar. But then every once in a while you find the person who has like the collector's edition that was, you know, in the thousands and you're like, hopefully this has resale value because you're not getting any joy out of it, of it hanging on the wall as a, as a showpiece, or maybe they are, I don't know, <laughs> but you know, make sure that you're being thoughtful about how you're approaching purchases because, you know, if you could take that extra money and go on a trip and create memories that are going to last for years to come, might be a better use of your, of your money. Yeah. And can I add one point to that? So of I'm course. a big believer in terms of spending your money on things that improve your overall well-being. So if learning how to play music and getting that guitar helps you with your mental and emotional and perhaps even social, right? Because now you're going out and performing for other people. That is an awesome purchase. That's a great way of utilizing your time. But you're right. There are many people who are influenced by other factors. And it's the same thing too. How many of us have heard of, of the Peloton bikes that have turned into just clothes hangers? They're just, they're storing clothes because people purchase these thousands of dollars of bikes and they're no longer utilizing them. And for me, it is an okay purchase to have if it's improving your physical well-being, because then that has a relation to your mental health and that has a relation to how you are able to physically come into work and being mentally sharp. And then that improves your finances. And so there are these purchases that we do make that improve other aspects of our well-being. And that's kind of one of the key things here is like understanding what your values are and aligning your spending on improving your overall well-being and not just buying purchases to feel or to cope with with like the uncomfortable uh, pieces of our lives. Yeah, it's it's the follow through. That's really, really the hard part for for most people. But yeah, it's it's good to be well-intended and, and, and thoughtful in those purchases. And, you know, especially, I mean, I, I know that I've been donating my gym to my gym for, uh, about 10 months now. Um, but I, I do have a treadmill at home that actually does get, get used. So I, I don't feel quite so bad that I'm donating to planet money, uh, or planet fitness. Um, so no, that's, that's, that's all excellent, excellent advice. And, you know, I, I know that you know, Jason, you've had this journey of, of personal growth and, and exploration, um, you know, and, and are there any tips that you learned from that journey that you can share with the audience, you know, to just kind of challenge yourself and push beyond what those limits are that, that we kind of see, you know, we kind of see big challenges in front of us and, and we, it's, it's pretty easy to get shut down by them. Um, what can we do to, to overcome and, and, and move beyond? Yeah. So one thing I also like to share with people is that not only am I two-time best-selling author, I am a two-time burnt-out human being. I'm someone who burnt out climbing the corporate ladder, and I'm someone who burnt out uh, becoming an entrepreneur. And so part of this, with all the ups and downs, the twists and turns, it's understanding that it is a journey, and it's a journey of growth. 
And a lot of that had to do with shifting my mindset again and ensuring my mental health, ensuring my emotional well-being. And that can be achieved through an active pursuit of learning and growing. And I challenge everyone. It's like, why did we, uh, how did we get to a point where we started believing that once we graduated high school, we stopped learning, or if we go to college, we stop learning. And, but we're learning constantly when we're scrolling through social media, when we're listening to podcasts and YouTube videos. And I want people to a bit, be a bit more intentional of what they're listening to and what they're learning because it does impact their mental health and it will impact their financial behaviors as well. And so for me, it was cultivating a love and a consistent curiosity and inquisitiveness and wanting to improve myself and being intentional, again, as I mentioned about that, because so much of things are out of our control. And the one thing we can control is the information that we seek, information that can potentially make us better. And and so I think that is vital. So, and, and I mean, that's that's an amazing approach. Um, and, and I mean, obviously we're kind of up against some challenging financial times with just how everything's been going with inflation and, and the economy and, you know, knock on wood, we're, we're staving off a, a recession, but, you know, who knows what the, the future can bring. Um, you know, how did, how did you get to that point of that unconditional love for yourself and, and feel better about yourself? You know, what, what can our audience take away to, to do to, to help themselves get to that point too? Yeah. So for me, and, and I want to focus on the, the financial aspect of it because of this podcast. I think unconditional love for me was finally getting my financial matters in order. And so when we can stop thinking about the daily market fluctuations, about how inflation is going to impact us, how the external world is going to affect my household, it does take off a great deal of stress. Mm. And so by getting my money right, improving my relationship with money and spending on the things that matter is unconditional love. And because finances stresses everyone, I have met many people who make very little and people who make a lot of money, multimillionaires and one billionaire. And I can tell you, they still stress about money. And so the thing that's important is that when we can focus on, on improving our financial health, working on our financial well-being, we can get to a point where we can focus on the things that truly matter to us. And and again, that leads to unconditional love. So if you want to love yourself, learn how to fix your financial issues, work on setting those goals uh, to improve your financial health. Yeah. So it's, it's looking, it's looking inward, you know, figuring out what matters to you, figuring out those, those values, those desires, creating those financial goals that we, we, we talk about constantly in this podcast, but you know, it's really being again, thoughtful and intentional. Um, and we always like to dunk on social media too. you know, get off social (laughs) media, you know, stop, stop comparing yourself, stop trying to keep up with the Joneses, stop keeping up with the Joneses. Yeah. Keeping up with the Joneses, keeping up with the Kardashians. And I say, keeping up with the influencers, stop it, stop it because they, they are influencing one, how you perceive 
your life. And then two, and I and I know you have mentioned this, Sean, in, in previous podcasts, it's that, you know, people are only showing the highlights. And that's absolutely true. And it's important for us to know that highlights is just one part of people's lives and that there's other parts of it that's not seen. And some people understand this, but many people don't. And it does influence how we relate to money, how we review and assess our life, and also will impact our choices, which kind of like becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So it's like, if you can get off social media, focus. But I do encourage you, if you are in social media, follow people who are encouraging growth, who are teaching you about sound financial habits, who are helping you shift your mindset. Those are the influences you want around your life. And so as you're scrolling through celebrities and singers and what have you, at least there's a chance that some bits of knowledge that improve your relationship with money is in that feed. I love what you said before too, Jason, about kind of your, that unconditional love is not necessarily worrying about what's uncontrollable, right? And I think a lot of individuals, again, regardless of their their income or their current financial situation, like to point the finger and say, well, that's, you know, I, I'm, that's not in my control. I can't, I can't fix that. I can't save a hundred dollars a month, right? I, it's impossible because of X, Y, and Z. Um, I think it's, it's really important to kind of take that look in the mirror and be like, all right, what can I control at this point? And everybody has that choice. There are always things that they can control. Um, again, the cup of coffee on the way to work, right? There's, there are pieces of our finances that we are in full control of. Um, and then ideally, again, to your point, getting to that point where then you're not relying on others, you're not relying on the market to do something specific or, you know, the overall economy, you you are in control of your finances. And that's got to be a phenomenal feeling. Um, but again, I don't want people to lose that, that sight of, well, I, I just don't have control over anything right now. You always have choices, you always have um, a, a certain piece of control, at least. I love that because like the conclusion of my book was choose happiness by accepting and understanding that you have control uh, on on certain things and and learning that control is is life changing. Yeah, absolutely. And that is actually a fantastic transition over to our member mailbag, which uh, is a letter from our members. And I'll read that to you guys. And I have some thoughts here and uh, I'll ask you guys to jump in. So uh, from the member, uh, after a recent health scare, I've been reevaluating my life and realized I'm constantly consumed by money worries. Even though I have a stable job and savings, uh, this stress has taken a toll on my health and relationships. Uh, what steps can I take to break this cycle and find a healthier balance with my finances? So one, I mean, kudos to this member that they're trying to recognize and take control and, and seek financial advice. Um, but you know, Jason, I'll I'll kick it over to you. You know, what are what are your thoughts on on the advice we can give them? Yeah, so a lot of the money worries tend to stem from some external things that we can't control, and that has largely to do with the news cycle of hearing about unemployment or hearing about li- of cost of living and inflation. And so, when you can remove yourself from that piece, that can get you out of the echo chamber of this constant news cycle of doom and gloom, and that can help. With, with some mental peace. And I think that is that is one thing, because if you have a stable job, if you're savings, if you're contributing to a retirement, you are doing the right things. 
And I want you to be kinder and more gentler on yourself and to say, I am doing all the right financial things. But this also leads me to wonder, what are you doing to treat yourself, to celebrate the little wins, to celebrate the fact that perhaps you love and enjoy your job and it's stable? And how are you celebrating that you are reaching these financial savings goals? Are you treating yourself out? And if you've started hitting certain contribution milestones in your retirement, I want you to celebrate that. I mean, we celebrate birthdays. We celebrate job promotions. We should celebrate financial milestones. And it's okay to allocate a portion of your paycheck in taking yourself out to dinner or going to see a show because that is going to help you shift your mindset and it's going to help improve that relationship with money because at that point, I could see that there might still be a little scarcity there, even though you're in sound financial footing. It's to, it's okay to spend a bit when you're doing the right things. Yeah, and you know when I'm when I'm seeing this, you know, I think of kind of the how the five elements of of well being that that Gallup prescribes how they interconnect here. You know, they they I mean obviously they have financial security. You know, they're they're good from that perspective. But then they're struggling from a career perspective. They're struggling from a physical health perspective. They're struggling from a relationship perspective. So you know you can't you can't just do really well in one area and hope that the other ones will all just kind of work themselves out. Uh, you need to think about what's important to you. You know which of those areas do truly matter and and you can prioritize. I mean, if financial security is that one most important thing, then then sure. In this situation, it's 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 an okay place to be. But if you have ambitions of career acceleration or growth or, or a job that's, you know, maybe less stressful, um, that's something you need to think about and, and reflect upon because, you know, it's not going to solve itself. You know, if, if you can't change something, you can't stress over it, but have you done what's within your control to see if you can address it? Have you talked to your manager about the the level of stress you have at work? Is it a project that's bothering you? Is it a specific person? You know, you really need to kind of figure out what you can do to address these things before you're just kind of accept defeat and just be like, well, this is just my situation and there's, I've tried nothing and I've, I'm at a loss. Um, you know, if, if work life balance is important to this person, there are organizations out there that do make that a priority of yeah. their culture. But if you're at an organization that's all about, you know, cranking out productivity to out of every last second, and that's that's not a, an alignment with what's important to you, then maybe you need to re- reevaluate your your future at that organization. Um, you, you you can't just do one area of well being and, and hope that the rest work work out. Yeah. So can I add to that because when you talk about the Gallup five dimensions and things like that. And that's what I talk about, the multidimensionality. What makes you, you are these multidimensions that your mental, emotional, physical, social, occupational, environmental, spiritual, and financial. And so so they're interrelated, interconnected. They overlap. When one is suffering, it has a ripple effect on other dimensions. And but there's yeah. also dimensions of strength. And when we can identify these dimensions of strength, we can lean onto it to help us strengthen an area of weakness. And so when you are strong on your financial health and you're great at your work dimension, there are other parts that might be suffering and that might be your mental, that might be your social. And when you start identifying these different pieces, it is game changing and you're going to realize, okay, perhaps I need to have a better work-life integration 
with all these other aspects of my dimensions of wellness. Because if I don't, I'm never going to feel joy. I'm never going to feel happy, even though I'm doing well at work, even though I'm hitting all these financial milestones, because there's one aspect of what makes us us that is suffering. And so when you start looking at yourself multidimensionally, you start realizing, okay, I need to take some of this this money that I'm making and investing it in creating memories through my social health, hanging out with my friends, or perhaps taking a course that has nothing to do with work, but it's just improving or leaning into a passion. And that improves your mental health and improves your emotional well-being. So there are different things that we can do. And I think that's important for this member. I love that. What I'll say too, and I, I love this kind of quote is that the only thing constant is change, right? That's there's always going to be change. And when we talk about the, the different pillars, it's it's always going to be a moving target, right? There, there's always going to be change within those pillars. So to your point, Jason, if you are you are not stressed about your finances, you're in a really good place, but you're struggling from that, you know, the, the physical wellness, how can you lean on that financial strength to build up your, your physical wellness and your physical well-being? Um, but I think it's always important Again, in the case of this member, if they might not have even realized that they were stressed, right, prior to this health scare, but it, it's okay to not necessarily dwell on, well, how could I do that to myself? No, there's just been a change in your life, right? There's a, there's a change in your priorities and the way you look at things, and that's normal. But now take a step back and say, all right, well, what, how do I need to reallocate some of this, um, you know, overall well-being, you know, piece of the pie? Where can I lean on those strengths to kind of build up other areas that I'm now seeing I need to work on? Can I add one thing? And that is, if all we do is hustle and grind to, to make more money and to improve our financial uh, security, if all we do is hustle and grind, well, gears that grind for too long get worn out and then thrown out. And so it's important for us to understand kind of this balance and because what tends to happen, and a good friend of mine has shared this multiple times, is that when we don't take care of ourselves, our mental, our emotional, our physical health, well, what tends to happen is that all the money that we make will be spent on prescriptions we can't pronounce and doctor visits we don't want to go to. And so when we are thinking about our financial well-being, it's great that we're hitting financial goals. It's great we're excelling at our work, but we need to take care of other aspects of our wellness in order to really fully be present and to experience the joy and happiness that they deserve. Love, love that as the closing point on that segment. Uh, we're going to pivot quickly over to talk a little bit about uh, actually where people are going to be able to come and see you, Jason. Um, so uh, upcoming later, uh, actually, I think when this publishes, it'll be later this month. So we're talking about November of 2023 here, uh, Affinity is going to give back to our members by strengthening our communities that we serve. Um, and of course, we always want to reward our members who do the same. One of the programs we have going on this November is if you're dedicated to making the world a better place and improving your financial well-being, you could be selected as one of Affinity's members of the year. Uh, that's a program that's running all of November. Nominations start on November 1st. Uh, through November 30th. So stay tuned on our website, email, our social channels. We'll be putting it out there. Uh, see if you uh, can nominate yourself or, or a loved one or a friend to be uh, our, one of our members of the year. And then, of course, uh, there's more than that. We're celebrating our members as well. So from November 6th through November 10th, we're hosting our Member Appreciation Week. 
Uh, and it's a week full of events supporting your well-being. We're going to have some guided meditation. We're going to have job interview and resume prep. Uh, we also have a blood drive so you can get in on the action and also give back to the community. Uh, but then we're wrapping up that full week of events with Jason here, uh, and he's going to share some of his expertise and do a book signing at our Madison, New Jersey branch. So please check out more. Uh, check out affinityfcu.com forward slash member appreciation for more information and, and if there's any signups. Uh, and that's all one word, member appreciation. All right. So uh, we talked about a ton of stuff today. This was an awesome episode. You know, Jason, thank you so much for joining. Some yes, really, thank you. really valuable advice and, and really, uh, you know, reasonable, approachable, tangible things that people can do to just achieve wellness and, and happiness, right? Um, any, any final words that you, you wanted to share with, with the audience? Yeah, well, thank you so much. I love talking about money and the intersection of happiness and wellness. And so for me, I just want everyone to know whatever situation that you're going through, and if it's a financial one, there is a solution to every financial situation. And I want you to take a nice deep breath, inhale and slowly exhale, and understand that there is a solution to whatever situation that you're going through. And it's a matter of just reaching out and asking for help. Thank you, Jason. Excellent, excellent advice. Sean, any any final words? Yeah, I, um, I just want to continue to harp on this with all the listeners. Um, Affinity Federal Credit Union, we, we pride ourselves on being there for our members, being there for our community. So I can't stress enough, um, whether you are a current member or not, come visit us, give us a call, um, utilize our online resources. But we, we really truly do exist to improve your overall well-being, and we take that very seriously. Um, so yeah, I, I just can't encourage everybody listening enough to to utilize us in one way, shape, or form because we are here to help. Thank you, Sean. And uh, before we close this out, I did want to remind our listeners that Happy Money, Happy Life, a multidimensional approach to health, wealth, and financial freedom is currently available nationwide at major online retailers and through Jason's website at jasonvtug.com. That's J-A-S-O-N-V-I-T-U-G.com. All right. Well, uh, we've made it to the end of the episode. Thank you so much, everybody. Uh, this was a fantastic journey. Uh, just a reminder to the audience that if you do have a question or a comment for one of our future member mailbag segments, you can send it to us at AffinityFCU on Facebook or X slash Twitter with the hashtag member mailbag. Uh, as always, we'd love if you rate, like, and subscribe for more well-being in your wallet podcast. And you can, of course, visit AffinityFCU.com for additional information about financial well-being and all of Affinity's products. And uh, as always, thank you again for listening and be well. Thank you.